Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am here with Father Boniface Hicks and I am Joe Rocky. And Father, keeping in mind our overall goal of wanting to bring people back to the church, want to bring people closer to God, I was sitting in Mass the other day trying to figure out you know, good things to talk about as that's where I try to figure out most of my topics um, being in church and going off of a conversation we had before, which was, it's kind of easy to relate to God, the father, you know, most people had this picture of him of looking down from us from heaven up in the clouds and going back to one of our real recent podcasts, Jesus was fully human. You know, he sweat like us. He may or may not have had a dog like us still having that debate by the way. Um, but you know, Jesus was real. He had hair. You could hug him. You could see him. You know, you could touch him. And I think the one that people have the hardest one to, to get their head around, yet possibly, not to say that any of them are more important, but the one that's still with us. Because Jesus came and has left, but the Holy Spirit came down with us and is still here and gave a lot of remarkable gifts, gave the apostles the ability to communicate in a way where everyone knew it was true in their hearts and somehow heard it in their own native language. And that's in Acts of the Apostles. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of more stuff that wasn't recorded in Acts. And I guess I wanted to spend this cast with kind of a deeper dive in A, how to get closer to the Holy Spirit, what that means. And then one of the other things that I've had on the bucket list to communicate with, and might ha- we might not be able to squeeze it all into one cast today, was the gifts that you get from the spirit of confirmation and how to fully utilize them. So that's a kind of loaded pack there that we're trying to uh, uncover here for today's episode. And it might bleed into a couple Mm. more and we'll just see how it goes. Well, Joe, I love those questions and I love that that's coming up in you and that you're trying to understand that yourself and that you want to go deeper in in those things i mean as you said we begin the mass we're doing everything in the in in the trinity so mm-hmm. as you're reflecting on these things in mass it makes sense that these questions are coming up we begin the mass with the sign of the cross and in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit every prayer that we offer is through christ uh, our Lord, in a unity of the Holy Spirit, uh, with the Father, one God forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're also professing our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So we're coming back to the three persons of the Trinity, and that is at the essence of our Christianity. And so it's a very natural question to say, well, how do we, how do, we do that? Uh, how do we interact with what what difference does it make that there's a trinity and how do we interact with the father how do we interact with the the holy spirit uh obviously i love how you describe very beautifully the more immediate way that we connect with the son because he had to become flesh and so his experience is like our experience and we know what it's like to touch a human person and we know what it's like to receive a hug and we know what it's like to look into eyes that also look into our eyes and so we can connect with Jesus in this very personal way and I would like to to say Joe that if if you and if any of our listeners really focus on that 
on that personal connection with Jesus, connecting with him in the very human way that he has presented himself. Now, we can't actually, you said he came and he's gone now. Well, of course, he he is here, and that actually is what brings us into the Holy Spirit, too. But if we focus on, you know, we can use our imagination, we can connect it to our human experience, we know what it's like to be held. Maybe even our listeners right now could just close their eyes for a moment and imagine themselves being held by Jesus. Or close your eyes for a moment and imagine yourself looking into the eyes of Jesus. And if we do that, it really will carry us the distance. Okay. So I just want to, I want to say that really clearly, lest we would, lest we would overcomplicate things. If we just focus on Jesus, it'll actually carry us the distance. And now I'll explain in answer to your question, I'll explain why that is. Okay. And, and not discouraging you or anybody else from focusing on the Father and the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful thing. I just want to emphasize that if we focus on that personal relationship with Jesus, if we focus on the human connection that we have with him, his humanity is, is inseparably united with his divinity. So we can't focus on him without already being put in touch with God. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and furthermore, we can't focus on the Son without him always bringing us to the Father because he simply doesn't uh, exist, but he does exist on his own, but in the sense that his love for the Father is so radical and so complete that he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I do not tell you anything from myself. I tell you only what I have heard from the Father. I do not do anything on my own. I only do what I have seen, what I have learned from the Father. So we can't interact with Jesus without, by default, by definition, immediately also interacting with the Father. So uh, the, uh, our interactions with the Son, if we develop and deepen that personal relationship with the Son, it's, He's always bringing us to the Father. And suddenly we'll have all this knowledge of the Father without even realizing how we got it. <laughs> because okay. it just comes through that relationship with the Son. He's, uh, when we look into His eyes, we see His love for the Father. And that's just how fully how filled with the, the love of the Father that, that Jesus is. Now, furthermore, I already used some ways of describing this that imply the Holy Spirit. I said, well, we can't actually touch Jesus in the way that the apostles did because, as you said, his, his humanity has been ascended, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, so we can't sort of find his face to touch. So how do we do that? Well, I indicated we can use our imagination, but when we use our imagination, it's not like imagining a, a three-eyed frog. You know, it's not imagining mm-hmm. something that doesn't exist. It's imagining someone who does exist and is close to us, but he's close to us in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it more than just imagination, more than just an image in our mind, more, more than just a thought. The Holy Spirit brings his living presence to us. And so, as St. Paul says, we can't even say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And I love the image that the Catechism uses. The Catechism says the Spirit is the anointing on Jesus. And so we call him sometimes Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ means the anointed one. The Spirit is the Christ. The Spirit is the anointing. And the Catechism says it's like when 
when we anoint someone, that means to, to place oil on them, mm-hmm. an ointment, we place an ointment on them. And when we do that, imagine the ointment, the oil on the forehead, and then we, if we touch the person's forehead, we always touch the oil. Or if we focus on touching the oil, we're touching the forehead because that's where it's resting. Mm-hmm. We can't touch the oil without touching the forehead. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit, too. As soon as we say Jesus is Lord, as soon as we come into contact with Jesus, as soon as we connect with him, we are by definition doing that in the Spirit. We're doing that through the Holy Spirit. We're touching the Holy Spirit at the same time. And so, to come back to my point, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and if you allow that relationship to be a living relationship, that he is really encountering you in a living way, not just as a thought, not as a concept, not as a just a sequence of doctrines, but a living personal relationship with Christ, then it's already bringing you to the Father. And it's all happening in the Holy Spirit. So having that living relationship with Jesus, we are already doing that in a Trinitarian way. The Father and the Holy Spirit are intimately involved in all that. So I want to just stop there so that that concept can can settle in. And then uh, if you have a question to go deeper, yeah. then that, that's great. Or I can just kind of keep rattling on. But anyway, I feel like that's a, a pregnant moment that we want to stop at. If you, if you can grasp that, then we've already gotten so much about the Father and the Holy Spirit and how our relationship with them develops. I, I guess we'll figure out for my questions whether or not I'm actually grasping that or not. So, <laughs> um, all right, so... So we'll back up to the the, the anointed part, uh, just as a guess, not the the as in deep as you got that more of a surface level question. Is that why a confirmation we use oil on the forehead? Uh, yeah, oil is the is the symbol. It's it's anointing. So we're also becoming anointed ones. Um, confirmation is a little bit. We can't really talk about confirmation without talking about baptism. Okay. And and it really helps us a lot if we if we keep those two really connected. In the Eastern rites, they're still connected. They they administer for babies. In any of the Eastern rites, Byzantine, the Ruthenian, Ukrainian, Maronite, Chaldean, Syriac, Armenian, all of these twenty Eastern rites in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Confirmation is is immediately given is given immediately after baptism so it's only in the roman rite it's only in the west that we separated these two sacraments out there there's still two sacraments in the east but they're done right together so if we if we keep those held together it really helps us um the anointing is it is a we also call it sometimes at baptism christening Mm -hmm. you've heard of baptism referred to as christening christ is me is the Greek word for anointing. Okay. So we use ointment to make a Christian, to make us share in the Christness of Jesus. Uh, so that it is the application of the Holy Spirit. We could say that in the water, in a way, we're kind of immersed into Christ, and then in the oil, we are anointed with the, the Christ. So that, that is the, the anointing. But yes, to, to say it more simply, just answer your question in a simple way, yes. That's why we use oil as uh, in in confirmation, 
in uh, actually in the East they call that sacrament instead of confirmation they call it chrisation. Okay. Chrism is the oil that we use. So it is the application of the Christness, the the chrism due to the person. So Father, okay, I I think I'm trying or I'm definitely trying. I know I'm trying. I think it, it, I'm starting to figure out the. Um, you know, the Bible makes it clear with, with what you were saying before. It was actually one of the readings a couple of weeks ago that the closer you get to, to God the Son, you know, you become closer to God the Father, and you can only get to God the Father through God the Son. That part of the puzzle, like, I got that part. It, it, I guess it's the part where, what I guess uh, the core concept, why did Jesus need anointed? He just had God the Father giving him all all of everything and I, I guess that that's the portion that that is never really articulated that I'm missing which essentially seems to be the core concept which might mean that I didn't get enough of 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 what I'm trying to grasp here uh, I might need to, you just just to say that again real quick let me try the you're asking why Jesus needed to be anointed yes yeah he's already uh-huh. perfectly divine uh-huh. That's correct. Uh, that's a great question. And one, one way we can approach that is by taking the statement that St. Paul makes in Philippians 2. He says that though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Uh, without getting stuck too much on any of those words, but we we hold that he really emptied himself. So he is God, but it's like he set aside his divinity in entering into our humanity. He didn't actually separate out his divinity. He's still God. I want to be clear about that. We mm-hmm. don't want to get into any Christian heresies. It all gets yeah. very complicated. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, he really doesn't live out of his divinity. And so even uh, just as a little example, sometimes I just had this conversation with somebody a week or two ago who said um, they were watching uh, one, one of these little stories about the childhood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody made up this movie, and, and, and Jesus kept using his superpowers. You know, that's the kind of way that they were presenting it, because he's God. He can, like... You know, when his when his pet dies, he can bring back to life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's that kind of that sense. Uh, but what we really see is that any of the times that any of the the apocryphal gospels, those like the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene or the Gospel of Matthew or of um, oh I don't know peter or something like that you know any of these gospels that were not accepted as truly inspired by the holy spirit whenever they brought up jesus having superpowers as a child mm-hmm. that was part of why they were not accepted as being inspired by the holy spirit what our christian faith has always held is that he really lived a human life so for the first 30 years of his life now he's certainly an extraordinary he lives an extraordinary human life I mean, we see him teaching the doctors in the temple at age 12 but that's not his divine wisdom coming through 
but that's really his inspired human, you know, his, his humanity that's lived to the fullest mm-hmm. that's coming through. He wasn't he wasn't unveiling mysteries that he had no access to, you know, as a human being. He was really sharing with them, teaching on the law that he understood more deeply. So, what we can actually say is that he didn't demonstrate any evidence of divinity until after his baptism in the Jordan when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't become God there. That's a different heresy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is already God, but his humanity is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in this way, we can see how he models what we experience. Our humanity, in order to become div- divinized, needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It needs to be anointed. And so by emptying himself of his divine privileges in becoming flesh, dwelling among us, he then is poor like us, and then he needs to be you know, sort of filled with the Holy Spirit like us. He's really opening this pathway of transformation that we also have to live in. And so we can see the difference that takes place. His public ministry starts, and he works, he starts to do miracles, and he starts to teach as God, and he starts to reveal the Father in a definitive way after his anointing the Holy Spirit. That's the turning point for him at age 30 that he begins his public ministry. So again, it's a pathway he has taken up because it's a pathway that we also uh, enter into. He's blazed that trail for us. Okay. Um, Is it just that it would have been too complicated to try to articulate the Holy Spirit until after his resurrection? Because um, I guess that that's the, the, the question I have. Because every time he's talking in the Bible, it's or Gospels rather, it's directly about the Father. Is that because his main audience was the Jewish people, and that's all that they knew, or like like make it easier to relate with people? I guess that that's you know trying to because because afterwards he says that someone else is coming and it'll be great, and that's the Holy Spirit with the fire. But um, <laughs> but not after his resurrection. Oh, was it? I thought that was up when they were up in. I thought that was up in the when they were up in the, uh, up in the room by themselves, all scared. And Thomas puts the finger in and all that stuff. He gives them one of the most extensive teachings on the Holy Spirit at the Last Supper in John's Gospel, John, chapter fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and in part seventeen, is uh, all teaching a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. I will send an advocate. I will send the spirit of truth who will lead you into all truth. I will send the, the spirit who convicts you of your sin and who, um, uh, anyway, the, uh, if you, whoever believes in me and carries out my commandment, uh, I guess that's the Father and I will come to you. Anyway, there's an extent to teaching that Jesus gives on the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in the upper room in John's Gospel. And the other, in the Synoptic Gospels, he still talks about the spirit giving a, uh, filling us with wisdom, giving us a facility for teaching. Um, and the Spirit comes up in some other places. You're right also that he says, uh, well, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Uh, that's the, the breathing of the Holy Spirit. But it's a, the resurrection accounts are, are pretty brief, actually. There isn't a lot of teaching in the resurrection accounts. But uh, but to go back to your question about why uh, the Spirit, why he focuses on the relationship with the Father, which 
I would agree with. I'd probably have to study that a little bit more, but certainly that's more prominent. And this is the thing. So this is leading us nicely into the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the love of God. And he is the love between the Father and the Son. And so when Jesus teaches about the Father, he doesn't only teach about the Father like we might teach about some historical figure. Let me tell you about Abraham Lincoln. You know, uh, he's got this quality. He says these things. Jesus teaches us about the Father and also communicates his profound love for the Father at the same time. So he's not only teaching about the Father, he's teaching about his love for the Father. And he's teaching about the Father's love for him because the Father loves me and he always hears me and uh, the verses aren't coming to mind just as we're speaking. But uh, So when Jesus teaches about the Father, he's teaching about the Father. When he teaches about the love for the Father and the Father's love, he's actually teaching about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, is also the love that the Father and that Jesus have for us. So the Holy Spirit is is the relationship between the Father and the Son. He's the love between the Father and the Son. And, the, and Jesus is united with the Father in the Holy Spirit. This is what we always say, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. We mm -hmm. say this every prayer in the Catholic Church. He is the unity between the Father and the Son. So when Jesus speaks about the Father, he doesn't speak about him as a divided, different person. He speaks about the Father as someone he is one with. That unity is in the Holy Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit is implicit in all of this. It's a little bit like, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's a little bit like, I'm talking with you, Joe. Mm -hmm. I'm using words to do that. We're actually also using technology to do that. Yeah. There are a number of dimensions that are making it possible for us to communicate with each other. Now, I'm not talking about the words that I'm using, except that I am right now. <laughs> I'm not talking about the technology that we're using, although I am right now. But primarily, I'm using words and technology to communicate with you. And we could think of the words and technology, the, the medium of communication, that is the Holy Spirit. Except he's a living medium of communication. So my, my words um, don't have a living reality of their own. The unity between the Father and the Son, the love between the Father and the Son, it has its own living reality. Wrap your mind around that for a little bit. Well, that's... If it's not totally clear to you, that's probably a sign that you did understand me. <laughs> okay, it, 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 I, yeah, so I, I think might it, part of it might be that exact phrase we use all the time, they are in union together. And the way that I've interpreted that pretty much until this conversation was that they were all, I guess another word would be an accord. They all were on the same page. They all were thinking the same way, They, but they were almost like, like three people on the same team. They all had the same goal. They all had the same objective, they all had the same knowledge, same strategy, all that stuff. And they were, you know, independent entities, but all in perfect harmony with each other. Uh, and that's how I thought of it. But the way that that I think that you just articulated was, no, they really were one 
all together the whole time, not three separate por- portions coming together, but actually just one thing all together, but you can only see one side of it, like a, like a ball. You can only see the one side that's coming at you. Um, the other side that's on the other side, you can't see it because it's on the, like the other side of the moon. You can only see the one side of the moon, and that's part of lit up. So, um, but you're saying that the moon is still there and whole, just because you can only see the one at one time doesn't mean the rest of it isn't there. Um, yes, uh, there's, there's, there's truth there. I don't want to, I don't want to discourage your idea though, because that's also true. Um, think of, think of the word harmony in music with, if there's only one note, you can't have harmony, mm-hmm. right? In order to have harmony, you need two notes and they harmonize, but harmony is more than the two notes. The harmony is its own thing, which is made up of two notes. Okay. Right, so this is also, the Father and the Son are not simply two things, but there is this harmony between them. There is this love between them, which is more than and distinct from the Father and the Son. Okay. So uh, we, we always, and, and that's, you know, uh, I would say it a little bit differently from, it's not that we can't see them all at the same time, it's that they're always sort of leading us to the other one. As soon as we focus on the Holy Spirit, He starts leading us to the Son. And as soon as we focus on the Son, He starts leading us to the Father. And then we find ourselves incapable of understanding the Father without backing up and looking again at the Spirit and the Son. <laughs> so it's almost like they're, we're sort of flipping, flipping through them to, to find the other one. But that's because they're if we could distinguish too strongly between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then they wouldn't. We would wonder whether they were truly one God. We would start to think that we're worshiping pantheon of, of multiple gods, but they really are so one that we can call them one God. And so that's also why, as we try to pull them apart, they don't want to be pulled apart mm-hmm. because they're not really three different gods. They're one God. And there, there are three persons in one God. And that's, again, a mystery that we can talk about for a long time and we'll never get to the bottom of. But I just want to affirm that sense of, like, how you, you keep slipping from one into the other and they keep flowing back and forth and you can't distinguish them and totally. And Yes, that's right, because they're one God. And so, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And, and, and I... I... And, and actually, let me just come back to the first point to reinforce what I think is so essential. If you just focus on a personal relationship with Jesus, the others will fall into place because we can't actually remain on Jesus without that taking place in the Holy Spirit and without him leading us to the Father. And so for our listeners not to be overwhelmed by all this stuff, but to know that as you focus on your relationship with Jesus, you'll understand more and more what I'm talking about and you'll understand the, the individual persons more and more. Perfect. And, and that's probably the the best note for us to star on, that it came us back to full circle here. So I thank you today, Father, for, for participating in the cast. We thank you all for listening to it and for helping to grow it. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Father and Joe. And you can always send us an email. And we're here to help grow the thing. Please keep us and submit us 
on iTunes, give the reviews that you have been, and that really, really has helped us grow quite a bit. So we thank you all, and we will see you again next week.